0: Book One, Chapter Nine of *Round the Block* by John This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: Mrs. Slapman at Home. Full of new and pleasant thoughts, Marcus Wilkeson walked on toward the half-antique house which contained the strange old gentleman. Just as he was about to swing back the iron gate of the front yard, he saw at a distance the two friends of his bosom and Mister Quigg descending a flight of steps to the sidewalk. They saw him at the same time, and both Overtop and Maltboy violently beckoned him to approach. Mr. Quigg added his solicitations in a calmer and more dignified manner, moving his arm like an automaton three times from the elbow. Even the driver, Captain Tonkins, in the spirit of invitation peculiar to his mental state, steadied himself on the seat, poked his right arm and his long whip toward marcus and said ha Hello there come along having done this captain tonkins furtively poured a gill of brandy into the tin cup and drank it under cover of the buffalo robe in compliance with this general request marcus forbore to open the gate of the old gentleman's house and joined his friends how many people have you called on you old humbug asked overtop as marcus drew near marcus was on the point of alluding to the chance acquaintances that he had made that morning but a moment's reflection stopped him i told you said he that my only visit was to be to our odd old neighbor i was at his gate when you called and now what do you want i want to tell you said matthew maltboy that miss Waddell, The Juno-like young lady with the handkerchief, you know, is. All your fancy painted her, interrupted Marcus. She's lovely, she's divine, said Maltboy, rapturously finishing the quotation. I have made an impression. Congratulate me, old boy. I do, said Marcus, laughing, and only hope that you will find it as easy getting out of the scrape as into it. And what have you discovered, Top? that there isn't a sensible woman or an original idea so far on the block. I wouldn't budge an inch farther, but for Quigg's promise introduced me to a young widow who lives next door. A regular prodigy of science and art, according to his story. I think you said she was a widow, Quig. I suppose so, said Quig, as I never saw nor heard of her husband, and she's lived on this block five years last May. The three besieged Marcus to lay aside his scruples for wants and join them in visiting this accomplished lady. Marcus fought them until his patience was exhausted, and then gave in. The door to which they climbed bore on a large and shining plate the name Slapman. This door was opened to them by a tall negro in livery, which, like the wearer, had a borrowed appearance. As they entered they saw a little wiry man, with a pale face full of wrinkles and crow's feet, bounding up the first flight of stairs two steps at a time. When the little man reached the first landing, he looked back and directed a strange, suspicious glance at the callers. The opening of the parlor door discovered a room full of men who were sipping wine, eating cold fowl and confections, talking and laughing loudly with each other or exchanging repartees with a lady who stood in the center of the apartment and shed her light upon all. This lady was Mrs. Grazella Jigby Slapman. Previous to her marriage, she had been not altogether unknown to the corners of several weekly newspapers under the name of Grazella. She had also cultivated a natural talent for painting so assiduously that a little cabinet piece of hers, representing a cat, a lobster, and a plate of fruit, was considered good enough to exhibit in the window of a Broadway print shop, in which her uncle was a silent partner, and was approvingly paragraphed in a paper partly owned by her first cousin. To gifts capable of producing results like these, she added a great aptitude for music. Although an incurable indolence, she gracefully said, had always prevented her from learning the piano, while yet sustaining the name of Jigby, she had achieved a high reputation in private circles as a merciless judge of music, but her conversation had been from earliest girlhood her chief attraction. She possessed the extraordinary faculty of talking with a dozen persons upon a dozen different subjects at the same time. Unlike many people similarly endowed, she did not exercise this wonderful gift for the brutal purpose of putting down feebler intellects, but only to elicit truth, which she often declared to be the sole object of her existence, when, by her alliance with Mr. Slapman, a thrifty speculator in real estate, she was installed as mistress of a fine house and furniture and a few thousand a year. The lady naturally gathered about her a still larger circle of admirers. Her researches for truth were met halfway by people that were supposed to deal in that article, abstractly considered, such as poets, painters, sculptors, reformers, inventors. Anybody with a new idea was sure to be understood and encouraged by her. Her fondness for new ideas was as keen as an entomologist's for new bugs or butterflies. Mrs. Slapman had not made the mistake of neglecting her physical and perishable charms in deference to her intellect and immortal nature. She was twenty-four years old and had clear sparkling eyes, a fresh complexion, good teeth, rich heavy hair, and a substantial figure. The pursuit of truth did not disagree with her health. "'Mrs. Slapman bustled out of the little knot of persons about her "'and advanced in a frank, hearty way to meet her visitors. "'To Mr. Quigg she nodded patronizingly. "'As to one whom she had long known to be guiltless of new ideas, "'but to the strangers who sought her society, "'she addressed a cordial smile. "'Mr. Quigg, having performed his office, judiciously stepped aside.' and left the honors and burdens of conversation with the three friends. Matthew Maltboy, with the rashness of youth, opened the verbal engagement by remarking that it was a fine day. This wretched conventionalism was met by a very, so obviously sarcastic that Marcus Wilkeson decided not to utter a remark which was at that moment on his lips. At this embarrassing juncture Fayette Overtop came to the rescue. As we alighted from our sleigh, Mrs. Slapman, I noticed how firmly the snow at the edge of the street was pressed down by the feet of the hundreds who have called on you, and I could not but think how truly that white surface upon which the prints of so many boots were beautifully blended typified the purity of the motives which brought the owners of those boots to your door. A most original and charming remark, said Mrs. Slapman. I must repeat it to Chickson. The author of A Snowflake's Lament will appreciate that felicitous observation. You have heard of Chickson? Mr. Overtop read new books, magazines, literary papers, in considerable quantities, but did not remember to have ever met with the name. Speaking upon impulse, and to avoid explanation, however, he said, Oh, yes, certainly, but have not the pleasure of his acquaintance. You should know each other, said Mrs. Slapman. Excuse me a minute. She ran with girlish haste to the other end of the parlors and brought back an undersized young man. When he had been introduced to Overtop and shaken hands with him, the enthusiastic hostess quoted, somewhat imperfectly, the beautiful conceit which Overtop had just uttered, and remarked that it would be a capital subject for a poem. Mr. Chickson turned his eyes upward to the ceiling and then downward to the floor as if he were committing what he had heard to memory, and then said it was very curious, but he had thought of the same theme before and was intending to write a poem on it next week. "'Now that's just like you, you provoking creature,' said Mrs. Slapman, tapping the poet playfully with her fan. "'It's really selfish of you to keep all your poetical thoughts for your poems.' Mr. Chixon smiled pleasantly, but said nothing and when mrs slapman's attention was momentarily attracted by a passing remark from another person the poet improved the opportunity to slip away and take another glass of champagne in the corner ah gone is he said mrs slapman remarking his disappearance though one of the most promising of our young poets he is dull enough in conversation it may be said of him as of goldsmith he writes like an angel but talks like poor Paul. You may have read his poem Echoes of the Empyrean, published in the Weekly Lotus. Mr. Overtop was wicked enough to say that he had read and admired it. It is a curious fact in the history of the poem that the subtle thoughts which it evolves were the topic of discussion at one of my conversazioni, and on that very night Chickson told me he had 45 lines written on the subject the knowledge of that trifling circumstance lends additional interest to the poem that is if anything could lend additional interest to it observed overtop you are right said mrs slapman truth like that which animates every line of the empyrean needs no factitious attractions you have read the empyrean turning to wilkeson and maltboy who had stood hard by during this conversation calm patterns of politeness. Mr. Wilkeson, not understanding the question, his thoughts wandering back to the pale mechanic and his child, nodded yes, and was immediately put down on Mrs. Slapman's mental tablet as a quiet gentleman of good taste. But Matthew Maltboy, distinctly understanding it, was candid enough to say no, and from that moment was as nothing in the eyes of the lady overtop proceeded to deepen the favorable impression which he had made upon this charming patroness of intellect did it ever occur to you how many subjects for the highest order of poetry lie unnoticed all about us take that chandelier for example the prismatic drops of which are dull in the shade but sparkle with all the colors of the rainbow in the gaslight might not those hidden splendors be compared to that genius whose brilliancy is alone evoked by beauty's radiant smile marcus wilkeson squirmed and matthew maltboy felt uneasy while their friend was delivering this elaborate idea and felt easier when he reached the end in safety mr overtop himself shared in the sensation of relief beautiful "'Beautiful!' cried Mrs. Slapman, in a species of rapture. "'I must repeat that delicious thought to Chickson, but not now.' And she looked inquiringly at Overtop, as if in expectation that he would utter another new truth immediately. That gentleman not happening to have one on his tongue's end. Mrs. Slapman was kind enough to give him time for reflection. End of Book 1 Chapter 9